إن الإسلام بدأ غريبا وسيعود غريبا كما بدأ فطوبى للغرباء حتى إذا أتوا على واد النمل قالت نملة قالت نملة يا أيها النمل ادخلوا مساكنكم لا يحطمنكم سليمان وجنوده وهم لا يشعرون فتبسم طاحكا من قولها وقال رب أوزعني أن أشكر نعمتك التي أنعمت علي وعلى والدي وعلى والدي وأن أعمل صالحا ترضى وأدخلني برحمتك في عبادك الصالحين وتفقد الطير فقال ما لي لا أرى الهدهد أم كان من الغائبين لأعذبنه عذابا شديدا أو لأذبحنه أو لأذبحنه أو ليأتيني بسلطان مبين فمكث غير بعيد فقال أحدت بما لم تحط به وجئتك من سبأ بنبأ يقين إني وجدت امرأة تملكهم وأوتيت من كل شيء ولها عرش عظيم وجدتها وقومها يسجدون للشمس من دون الله وزين لهم الشيطان أعمالهم فصدهم عن السبيل فهم لا يهتدون Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's the end of the story of Medina. That was a beautiful story, it's indeed. A, yeah. You painted a lot of pictures for me that I, I had no idea of. Yeah, I loved it. Alhamdulillah. You know, this is an hour and 42. Wow. It's going to be a little bit of editing, but it's going to be a long episode. So hopefully, hopefully you guys will be able to actually go through it. This is our but high score record. Longest episode, huh? Yeah. Yo, Medina, Medina deserved more time than this too. Facts. I didn't even get to everything, but... I got to, um, I'll say the main points, alhamdulillah. Once you guys listen to the episode, I want you guys to imagine it as if it was you who was there in Medina. And, you know, I hope this story inspires you guys to go. Mm -hmm. And if you've been there already, I hope it inspires you to go again. And, yeah. So I hope you guys enjoy. See you guys on the other side. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to episode. I lost track, bro. Yeah. Because you said six and then six A, six B, and then yeah. you changed it to seven last second <laughs> without <laughs> consulting with me. This thing, it looks weird on YouTube. Yeah. Six A, you know? Okay. So, episode eight? I think so. We're eight episodes in, bro. Eight episodes for wow, us. Wow, look at us. A secular. Consistent. I like it. All right. Episode eight of the Changes Podcast, where we talk about our experiences as Muslims living in the West. You know what they say, I mean? Glad tidings to the strangers. Glad tidings to the strangers. All right, so we got a lot to unpack this episode because what we're doing part, is it part two or part 2.5, three? It's just going to be one episode for Medina. One just episode. Keep, keep it at one. Yeah, bro, I actually want, I want to know about Medina because a lot I want to go there, bro. Yeah, Medina, Even bro. Even as a kid, that was like my dream place. Yeah, yeah. Well, like Medina, bro, is the greatest city. 
Really? Wallahi, it's the greatest city. I'm stamping it. <laughs> okay, in terms of what though? In terms of everything. Everything? Everything, bro. Oh, wow. Lifestyle. Okay. The the Islamic environment. Yeah. What you're surrounded by. The people. The food. The food? Bro, it has everything. It has really? Everything. So it's not like eye candy on, on social media. It actually is like that? It's actually nice, Salah. Wow. The only thing, if I could change one thing about Medina, okay. it's the bugs, bro. Oh, you seen yeah. that one video I sent you? Yeah, that's a log <laughs> off, bro. Yo, I'm not going to lie. When I was there, it wasn't that bad. But man, that video, the amount of locusts that you see on the ground. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't do too well with bugs. But you know, apparently, yeah. you know, fun fact, mm-hmm. locusts are the only bugs we're allowed to eat. <laughs> That's crazy that you know that fast, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Weird. How'd you but find that out? I'm pretty sure, like, I'm pretty sure either I, I I researched it. No, not that I looked for it on research. I'm not out here researching what bugs can I eat, you That's know? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I'm researching. But I think it just came across that information. And I don't know, maybe someone can fact check me on it. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure. You're, you're a different type of kid, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> the only bugs we're allowed to eat. So okay, okay. Maybe, we're, we're maybe gonna have to, we're going to have to see your delete for that. Yeah, somebody's going to have to <laughs> fact check see. me. Well, I don't want to I don't want to give a false information out here. Having people eating bugs like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go to Medina, it's all you. God, bro. nah, it's a feast. <laughs> oh, man. oh man, no, but I don't do bugs. I'm not. I don't do too well with bugs, bro. So that might be like a huge turnoff for me. I don't know about you, but it was funny. Uh, one time, I, I I was going for fidget and I was a little bit late, and then I wanted to go upstairs because I'm like, you know, what, the roof looks nice. Mm-hmm. Well, as I'm going up, I'm just seeing more and more bugs. Like it, it, it gets like it gets more, worse. The more you, the you go, yeah, I'm saying on the first floor. <laughs> the worse it gets, bro. Imagine everyone, everyone's going up, and Allah just start going down. <laughs> oh man, that's not. How do you get used to that? I don't know. I don't know, Allah. bro. I'll be watching my every step. First of all, I can't step on a bug. I think yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll gag, bro. Like I, Thing is, I can't Allah, step you know, on. You know the trick is. You just keep your head up. Oh, nah. <laughs> you just keep One of those ignorance up. is bliss moments, huh? Yeah, nah, yeah, I can't yeah. do that. I think you have to slide your feet. So at least you're not like crushing it, but like you're kind of moving it. <laughs> you're going to see me walking like this every time. <laughs> nah, man. Can't do that. Just make sure you have your socks, bro. Otherwise yeah, fact. I'm wearing a hazmat suit. I told you. <laughs> I'm, wearing, I'm wearing a hazmat I don't care how hot it is out there. Like I see- said, bro, just, just, just make sure you don't break your wudu. Yeah, that. yeah, I gotta keep my wudu all day. Facts. Well, other than that, bro, like the everything else about it, bro, the peace, the sakina that you feel in Medina, unmatched. Allah, wow. Unmatched. So you don't feel that anywhere else, huh? Mecca didn't give you that. Yeah, Mecca. Well, you know, I have to, I have to give Mecca a second chance as well. Okay. The thing is, Mecca was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was very nice, but at the same time, I was there during Ramadan, right? Mm-hmm. And then imagine I get to Medina, it's Eid. So naturally you're more you're more relaxed and it's more of like a kick up mm. you know, a couple of days. Whereas Makkah, you're you're fasting, you're grinding. So it's a different type of vibe, you know? Yeah, I feel you. So maybe outside of Ramadan, I'll see how it is in Makkah. But Makkah, it was more like like you kind of felt that rough environment. Whereas Medina, like, Allah, bro, the minute I got uh, I got off that fast train. Bro, it's just the air was different. Really, <laughs> the air was different. Weather, weather wise, like is it the same? Weather wise, it's almost. I think it's a little bit cooler than Mecca. Yeah, it's still very hot. Yeah, but I don't know. The days I was there was pretty cool. Uh, what would you compare it to, like in, our, in terms of our type of weather? 
plus 25. No, 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 no. no. It's, it's still like 35. Bro. Damn. It's still plus 35. And, like, and it gets hotter in Mecca? Mecca is hotter. Oh, Mecca man. is like closer to 40. Did you get used to it? Nah, there's no getting used to it. Really? Allah is no getting used to it. The, the nice thing about Medina, once you're in the, like near like the Masjid area, stuff? not only the AC, did you see those, um, those umbrellas that have like the shade? Oh, yeah. So it kind of like open up. Yeah. I never actually saw it closed. The prime music like, is too hot. You know, it has to stay open the whole so time. So it has to be open? So yeah. when you're under it, there's shade. Okay. And then they have like these, uh, sick. they have these fans that, like there's like water that's like spraying. And then the fan is like oh, pushing it. So okay. as you're walking by, you kind of feel refreshing, it. huh? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's nice. It's nice. As long as they can accommodate, then you know it's not that bad. Yeah. But just just overall, bro. Oh yeah, one thing, bro. That that, that fast train from Mecca to Medina, Allah, amazing, amazing. Like there's like a fast train because normally you can uh, normally if you go from Mecca to Medina, a lot of people they take like whatever cars, buses. So that takes like four hours. Bumpy road. Five. Like a bumpy road I don't know Because I never took it okay. But I took the train And the train was two hours mm-hmm. Smooth And like the seats are nice There's wow. a cafeteria Wow A lot of sick It's sick Okay so they're living it up Out there huh Yeah for me I don't know I don't want to take the bus I was feeling a little bougie Okay So I'm like you know Let me let me ride on the train How's the currency there Is it like you know Things are more expensive out there Or From Medina to Mecca Or are you just talking about In general Like when you're out there Uh, It's not, it's not that expensive Okay. It's not that expensive. It's not like super cheap, like turkey. You know budget. exactly. Like, like I'm not gonna lie. When I feel like there's, it is a little bit of expensive. It feels yeah. more like authentic to me. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. there's, when, it's more, it's more expensive for sure than mm-hmm. those places. And I actually noticed that Medina is a little bit more pricey than Mecca. Okay. So everything that you buy, like let's say I buy the stove, yeah. or let's say if I buy it for five dollars in Medina, it'll probably be like seven. Mm. The same exact stove. Wow. So everything's a little bit more, I'll say, in Medina compared to Mecca. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, Mecca, you feel like it's more like class space and yeah. it's like, it's, it's, um, like everyone's a businessman mm-hmm. in Mecca. Whereas Medina, if you're like, yo, yeah, I'm not buying this, you try, you try that. You don't uh, mind? I'm, I'm walking away thing. It doesn't always work. Yeah. In Turkey, that worked <laughs> a lot. It doesn't always work. It worked a lot. Okay, you know what? I'm, I'm leaving. Wait. Wait, come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was nice, man. So when you finished Ramadan in Mecca, how was it, like, the transfer to Medina? Like, how was the coming into it? So I uh, I went with Abdul Shakur mm-hmm. from Mecca to Medina, and I got on the train around Maghrib time. Yeah. So um, when we left Mecca around Maghrib time, we got to Medina, I want to say around like 9 p.m. So I, I, I came into Medina at nighttime, and wallahi, bro, it was... Like the minute the minute I walked out of that train station, bro, the air was just nice. Cause it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't as hot as. Well, you mean like humidity wise, or bro? It just felt like a, a nice. I know what you mean. A nice, you know, eighteen degrees. Yeah. But it probably was like twenty five. Yeah. But I got used to the the forties, yeah. so twenty five. Well, I just felt nice, mm-hmm. and honestly, well, I bro, it just felt like I was in the city of the Prophet. Wow. From jump, like it just. I'm, I have a video and I'm just like, yo, the air in Medina is different. And mm-hmm. you, can, you can feel it like the minute you get there. Mm-hmm. So Ramadan was done. So I came basically on the night of the Eid. Okay. Thing is, they pray, they pray Eid Salah right after Fajr. And mm-hmm. Fajr is at like 4.30. So for us, there was no point for us to go to sleep, basically. Yeah. So kind of just stayed up. We we're just chilling. We made our way to Masjid al-Nabwi and we got there at like 3 a.m. 
Okay. The crazy part was, imagine like the eight prayers at like six, but we go, even though we got there at 3 a.m., it was so full that we had to pray a little bit outside. And that's, that's the crazy part because for us, normally, eight day, like you go a little bit early, but you're not going like 3 a.m. Yeah, like 3 a.m. is. I barely make it to the 8 a.m. <laughs> you barely make it to the 10 a.m. You know? <laughs> but imagine, so we get there at 3 a.m. And so I didn't really get to experience the masjid yet because I'm outside of it. Yeah. We found a spot to sit down and we're just waiting for Fajr at that point. Mm-hmm. And one thing, I'm not, I'm not too familiar with the imams in Medina, but one thing my brother told me was the main difference that he would notice was that in Mecca, it was more about like unique voices. So you have like Sudeis, mm-hmm. you have Mahir, you have Dosiri, guys that like have like their unique style of recitation. Yeah. Whereas in Medina, it was more like- um, the same? They don't all sound the same, but they all focus on the Tajweed. Wow. So like when you yeah, listen really. to, the, to the reciters, like you feel like they're reciting it properly, like perfectly. Oh, wow. And they're giving the, the, the words of the Quran as haq. Mm-hmm. So I remember I showed you that video of uh, uh, the son of Hudayfi, Ahmed mm-hmm. Hudayfi. He was the one who was leading the first Fajr yeah. uh, on the night of Eid. Actually, bro, I want you, I want you to play that one part. Remember I showed you the, the Fabi'aya Allah Rabbikum Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he read, he read Surah Ar-Rahman. And that Fajr prayer lasted 18 minutes. That's wow. Crazy. But, uh, nine minutes of first rakah, nine minutes of second rakah? Around? Not much, yeah, yeah. Bro, wow. imagine 18 minutes for two rakahs. Wow. And now here, the prayers are super quick, you know? Imagine Taro. <laughs> okay, you, that's just Fajr prayer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, let, me see, let me see your phone real quick. I'm going to show you um, the clip. I want to I wanna actually play it, so we've got to just find it here. Because the thing is, the reciters... Most of them, they have like deep voices, right? Yeah. And Allah, bro, the way he did, the way he read that that, that verse, mm-hmm. gotta find it, gotta find it. That was fire though. The way he navigated his voice. Yeah, have it here. Hopefully they'll be able to hear it. Yeah, hundred. Let me find, let me find that prayer. Bro, the way, because the thing is, like me, when I recite, my natural voice is a little bit deeper. Lo- yeah, lower. But I, sometimes I go a little bit higher and a little bit lower. But mm-hmm. the way he read that, it's hard to like, navigate while you're reading low. 
going low and he he kept you can't going go lower, lower yeah. lower lower because when you start high it's easy to go low but you heard how like the recitation is yeah. like the, the focus on the tajweed yeah i noticed i noticed how like he was really emphasizing that the actual words of the quran yeah yeah well, that was my the first prayer i prayed in medina it was like, so, what is this man, huh it was bro it was amazing it was, nice it was just beautiful no and then after that as soon as the prayer ended we started um doing the takbirat for Eid. So we said, mm -hmm. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. So the Eid prayer was about, was at sunrise. So a little bit after sunrise, we prayed the Eid prayer. It was a different type of Eid because like I spent that with my brother, you know? Like most of the Eids was always with families. a big, big family and it was just yeah. me and a younger bro. So Allah, it was beautiful. It was nice. I got to, you know, we have, now we have that moment that we can share together. You know, yeah. we spent most of the Ramadan together. And we had that Eid in Medina, in mm -hmm. the Prophet City, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, just enjoying it. And so now a little bit after that, we just went back home and bro, that, that, that Eid nap was different because <laughs> I told you we didn't sleep, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Every single Eid, I tell myself I'm going to get a good rest, good there's night's no, sleep. There's no sleeping there's no the sleep. night before Eid. But that midday nap is the greatest nap of all year. Yeah, yeah, we had we had a breakfast buffet at like eight. I want to say like seven, eight a.m. Just you two, me, him, and no, we linked up with some of the guys from Edmonton. Oh so wow! So Mustafa Ali and them guys were there. Nice. So we we ate a buffet with them, and then after that, we all just went separate ways. And bro, I knocked out. I want to say, bro, when did I wake up? I mean, it was not a nap. It was it was a deep sleep. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's how that that was like the aftermath of all of Ramadan. You know. Mm -hmm. And we also were traveling from Mecca to Medina, so it was, it was a little bit of a grind. So once we got up, we went to this food spot near the the, the jamia, near the university. Mm -hmm. And there's a spot where like they get, um, it's kind of like it's a sabayid with chicken, but it's like Yemeni oh, food. Nice. And bro, the thing is, the price was so cheap. I was expecting the food to not be not be hitting like that. Yeah. But bro, the food is amazing. Wow. Amazing. It was like the sabayid with like chicken in it. Anything with sabayid, I love Amazing. Allah, amazing. Allah, one thing about the, the, so I went to check out the Jamia, the university with, with Abdul Shakur. And mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie, it looks nice. Really? They have a nice university. Like what do they have inside it? So there's like Baqala, um, which is like, uh, like, imagine like a 7-Eleven or a Circle K. Yeah. Right outside of like their, their apartments. That's so So there's clutch. a spot that anytime they need like a drink or snacks or whatever, you just, you just go. So right beside it, there's a ball court and there's a soccer court. Mm -hmm. All the brothers are always hooping, playing mm -hmm. soccer. So there's, Was it there's, different out there? Bro, I'm not going to lie. I didn't expect like Medina to have hoopers, but mm -hmm. there's some, some decent hoopers. Nice. There. I'm not going to lie. There's decent hoopers. But, you know, they, they saw what it was like when uh, guys from Edmonton pulled up. Okay. We, have, we, have a little bit, we have a little bit of a reputation yeah. now. <laughs> wow. But the way... So you guys are winning. Bro, it was... It was you were winning a lot. I'm not gonna lie. You know, it's so funny when I was at Turkey. <laughs> yeah, they they weren't bad, but they they didn't really understand three pointers out there. Yeah, like I was shooting these because that's all I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were so shocked. You know, it's so funny. They kept calling me James Harden. <laughs> <laughs> James Harden. I don't know where they got the correlation, but I think that's all they know or something. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's different. crazy. <laughs> no, when we were there, we we're playing with. Um, some guys, I think they were playing on the Medina basketball team. I didn't even know they had a basketball team. Oh, wow. So there's, there's some solid guys. Um, there's, there's this one brother. Uh, there's this one older head. He's like an African-American dude. And then so I ended up 
when we were hooping, I didn't know it was going to be serious ball. Yeah. Okay? So me, obviously, I didn't, I didn't go to Umrah with ball kicks. Yeah. I went there with Crocs. Oh, wow. So I come in with the Crocs and these guys are like, and everyone has like actual ball kicks, like yeah. tied shoelaces and everything. And at the beginning, one of the guys was like, he didn't want to pick me up, right? He's like, yo, I want someone serious. Oh, wow. And then I was like, when do I ever uh, hear that? That's crazy. <laughs> He's like, yeah, no, nah, I, I, want, I want someone serious, bro. You're not serious. You're playing with Crocs. I'm like, yeah, I didn't know what the competition was like, you know? And then, um, so eventually we made our own team, like the Edmonton guys. And bro, like, so we, I was just in the corner because I was wearing Crocs. I wasn't I was really trying to do too much. Bro, these guys are driving in, kick out, boom. Trey ball. Nice. Threes. Threes. And then this... this. Please tell me that I regret it, bro. I love those, yo, those the, stories where, you know, you end up regretting... The thing was, the guy was low-key low hating, you know? Oh, okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> low-key hating. But, um, you know, you know, it was making it worse. The thing was, there was like a timer. You know when we played ball, YY runs? Mm -hmm. It was like a nine-minute timer. I think we are playing like 10-minute timer. Mm -hmm. thing was, every game was taking a long but once we got on the court, the game was ending in like three, four minutes. Wow. <laughs> and then the problem was that one African-American brother was, was low-key instigating, you know? Because he's like, yo, these guys are winning in three, four minutes. No. <laughs> so, so, so these guys started it's to always get... always that one guy. Always that one guy on the court. But the thing was, he was just kind of hyping us up. But and it was getting them cheesed, huh? And then the thing is, no matter where you are, I noticed, like basketball always gets competitive, you yeah. know? No matter if you're in Medina. Mm -hmm. I was expecting it to be a little bit more calm, but at, at the end of the day, ball is ball, you know? Ball is ball. It brings the worst out of people. Mm -hmm. And then this guy was like, I was, I was shooting threes, and he's like, yo, he's killing them in Crocs. No. Because <laughs> he's commentating. Yeah, he went instigating, man. Yeah, but well, it, was, it was nice. There's actually some nice hoopers there, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and most of the brothers there, all the guys we met there are solid guys, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we made a name for Edmonton Hoopers out Proud there, you, you know? Guys, man. Proud <laughs> of you guys. Put on for our for everything people yeah yeah but well like, overall like the jamia is just nice it's just vibes um and it's it's all men they have like a couple uh, uh massages even within the area wow so like it's it's, it's beautiful they have would nice, you say like that nice was your spot. like most like memorable moment there or no 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 far from it far wow. from it but the jamia was it was nice to see it you know how so, long were you there for again i was only in medina for I think six days, bro. Oh wow! I wish I was there for like two, three weeks. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. The six days is is long. Six days, bro. I felt like just how fast just you're enjoying like it. Flew it. by, you know. Yeah, it flew by. I I actually wish I could stay there for a whole month, but like wow. no, like with no rush, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no Medina. Allah did the Jamia was beautiful, and where it's located is nice too. Like it's like all of Mecca and Medina. Is surrounded by like nice mountains. Mm -hmm. The scenery is beautiful, you know. Mm -hmm. And you know, like shout out to the, the brothers that are studying there. You know, like there's a lot that goes into being a student of knowledge. And, you know, I pray that Allah makes it easy for all of them. And because Allah is, it's, it's kind of uh, I don't want to say like it's glorified, but like you know, everyone says like, oh, I wish I could go to Medina, I wish I could go study in Medina. But it's one thing to actually go there and be in Medina and enjoy Medina, but mm -hmm. at the same time, it's work. Like being a student of knowledge is work. Yeah, it's tough. It's, it's it's a level that it requires dedication and it requires sacrifice, memorizing, all of that. So like the people that are there, most of the times are going there for a minimum six years. That's crazy. Because they're going for a two-year out of the program mm -hmm. and then four years of whatever they choose to 
as a specialization. So six years is not is not a small amount of years mm-hmm. to give up, you know, for the sake of Allah. I pray that Allah makes it easy for all of them. Yeah, I mean, and you know, they find a way to benefit the ummah. One thing I, I find so like like I'm I'm amazed with yeah. are people that are students of knowledge and they debate with like people that are outside the religion. They show that they're dedicated, you know, to their knowledge more than people outside the religion. Yeah. I love listening to debates because I don't have the knowledge that they do, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. So when I'm watching debates of like a Muslim and a non-Muslim or whatever, and I see them countering their arguments in like such like eloquent ways, I find it so amazing. Like, it goes to show that they actually know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And the thing is like us, like obviously like we have knowledge, right? Where we know right from wrong. We know this and that, mm-hmm. but you need proof and facts and you need like a lot of like, you need to know their religion to yeah. be able to counter their religion, right? So they study not only our religion, but like their own religion. Like the people obviously they're mm-hmm. going out and debating with, yeah. studying their religion as well and showing them, this is what you guys have. Let me show you the counter to it, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I find that amazing, mashallah. Yeah, giving da'wah is, is challenging, you know, especially to non-Muslims. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones that are that are able to debate with them with wisdom, mm-hmm. not just, you know, to win the yeah, debate, yeah. but in order to like make the person see the truth. Mm-hmm. Because I, half I the those guys. half of giving da'wah is obviously like giving the knowledge verbally, but yeah. you also kind of actions speak louder than words, right? You got to also like carry your part, you know? Don't because I your do see character, your character itself is exactly because I, I do see some debates and like yeah they're winning the debate but like they're kind of like trashing on their opponents right and yeah. like smack talking that's like that's also like counterproductive to your dawah you know yeah, yeah so yeah. Uh, that part of it like, could be fixed but there's hikmah and, and there's a way to go about dawah yeah. you know, especially if you have the right intentions mm-hmm. and you're trying to bring the person to Islam there's a manner in which you speak no? Yeah, this is gross, bro. <laughs> Why you keep drinking it then? I don't want to waste it. This is gross. Bro, you got to send a message to KSI. At this point, you're, you're advertising for him. I don't mm. know if you're dissing it or if you're showing them like, yo, this is nasty. You keep taking a sip. Yeah. yeah. It's not it. Let's continue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, he was saying that there's a certain manner in which the surah of knowledge has to be. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, you don't eat in the presence of your teacher. Wow. You don't stand in the presence of your teacher. Cool. You don't get out in the middle of the class, except if it's like a crazy emergency, mm-hmm. you know? And, and you know, some, some of the teachers I heard, they, they call people out. So like if they see that, like, you know, you're looking that way, like, Sheikh, the dars is here. Mm. So the reason why there's a certain adab and manners that you have to have as a student of knowledge, the respect that you have for the ilm, the knowledge. Yeah. Because that knowledge that the Sheikh has is knowledge that came from the Prophet and knowledge of Islam that ultimately came from Allah. Mm-hmm. So the respect that you're showing is not necessarily for the sheikh, but for that knowledge. Because mm-hmm. that knowledge is so great. Mm-hmm. La ilaha illallah is so great. Mm-hmm. The message of Islam is so great. By you acting respectfully and following these mannerism of a student of knowledge, you're showing respect for the knowledge. And, mm-hmm. bro, and that's before even memorizing and learning just the actual knowledge. Just the etiquette it's, is it, a big, big part of it. It's beautiful because in the deen, it highlights like the utmost respect you have for uh any level of teacher like above you, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're one, you're showing humility because yeah. you're in a position of 
you know, have, wanting something that they have, which is the knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. So you have no room for arrogance or even yeah. shyness when when you're trying to gain knowledge from mm-hmm. from them, right? I feel like nowadays, and like obviously in the Western culture, a lot of people don't respect their, you know, their teachers or the professors. Teachers, people that have knowledge, yeah, it's 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 a sad time, a lie. It's mm-hmm. it's sad because those people, because now nowadays, the problem is the people that have knowledge, people are not looking to the people that have knowledge. Instead, they're the people that are put on a pedestal are people that actually don't have much knowledge. It's just the influence they have. It's the influence mm-hmm. and the fame that they have. And it's scary because there's going to be a point in time where, you know, the one who's telling the truth will be seen as a liar. Yeah. The liar is going to be seen as someone who's truthful. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a point in time where it's going to be difficult. One of the signs of the last hour is that knowledge is going to disappear. Yeah. And slowly, you know, the scholars are, you know, there's a lot of scholars that are getting older. Do we have enough people to carry it on to carry it on and mm-hmm. and to pass it on you know what i mean yeah. you know the part that's low-key scary like i was talking about this with um Alim, that you know the whole thing with like ai yeah because now the scary part is you can make a voice say something that's so you know how scary, scary that is when it comes to like yeah i like heard you need like knowledge you need like a good amount of footage like scanned like yeah. they have to see you, your facial expression on multiple different occasions, mm-hmm. and like your voice, the tone of voice on multiple different multiple different occasions, yeah. and then it can make you say anything, bro. The That's minute, scary, the minute bro. I heard Kanye West singing, uh, Nishi's <laughs> Kanye and Drake, bro. Yeah, it's taking it's, over, bro. Well, I has to the point where I heard them reciting Quran. It was yeah, crazy. and you know what's crazy? You can't really like seek legal action against that because it's. Who are you going to seek legal action against? Yeah, like everyone's yeah. doing it, you know? But look, you you know, can't the, sue the whole world. The scary part about that is, in terms of like Islamic knowledge, okay, let's not talk about like putting everything else to the side, talking yeah. specifically about Islamic knowledge. Now there's a lot of, we have so much videos on YouTube, we have so much audio recordings mm-hmm. of ulama and scholars from the past, like, you know, I want to say whatever, 50, 60 years. If you saw a video of something happening, you can be like, okay, this happened. Or if you heard an audio recording, you're like, okay, I recognize that person's voice. Ibn Uthaymi's voice. Mm-hmm. I, I recognize Sheikh Albani's voice. But now it's going to get to the point where it's like, you can make scholars that have passed away or that are still alive say something that they never said. Mm-hmm. And you're like, boom, this is the proof. Sheikh Albani yeah, said this actually. Yeah, that's so terrifying. So now knowledge is... You don't know what to believe in anymore. Yeah, so maybe that's where... That sign of the last day that Yeah, I didn't really take that in. You, you know, you don't you won't know everyone's gonna be paranoid. What is true. Yeah. Knowledge is gonna be lost. So not and then we're gonna revert back to the books. Because mm-hmm. now the only thing that's gonna make sense is the book. The only thing that you're gonna have full authentic proof on is a book that a Sheikh wrote. And what if people start getting rid of those? If you get rid of the books or if you don't have people that know how to read the books, mm-hmm. people that haven't studied the language, the the Arabic language, yeah. or people that don't study under the scholars Mm -hmm. so now it's going to go back to knowledge the only way that someone's going to be able to validate their knowledge is to sit at the feet of the scholars wow i know that's that's going to be extremely difficult at a point where now we're all so reliant on like youtube and and other people doing the work yeah you need to start looking for those videos like and look at the date you know eight years ago okay we're good you know Mm -hmm. but even then those even then that that stuff can get yeah. yeah 
bro it's it's a scary time of a lot wow, i mean you just unlocked a new fear <laughs> yeah it's, it's actually scary that's it's scary, scary. <laughs> but bro, I, I lost my train of thought i don't even know what we're talking about medina bro i have to go back to medina, back to medina. <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's ask um wait go 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 before that before that um yeah i was talking about Sheikh uh abdul razak badr so one beautiful beautiful thing about medina is you can literally go to the prophet's masjid and you're gonna see big time scholars giving lectures like no weekly. way like you come after fajr and then there's riyadu salihin and by a big by a big shah and then Suleiman ruheli is gonna do a, a fiqh course mm-hmm. well you know how crazy that is to have those Was scholars it it's always packed it's always were you packed. able to at least see them again I, was, I wasn't able to attend any because it was the week right after Ramadan. So I think that week was off. Yeah, there's there's so many scholars that you can sit at their feet. So much uh, big scholars. Literally, and they can go and, and listen to at any point in time. Bro, you're really liking that prime, aren't you? <laughs> bro, at this point, at this point, just make an advertisement for him, bro. Please take a step. Please. This Please. Is, can I give it a try? It's gross. <laughs> It's nasty, isn't it? That's a crazy aftertaste. Like yeah. the, initial, the initial taste is not yeah, bad. I told, yeah, the initial taste, I like it. And then mm. it just goes south. Mm. Yeah, now we're doing free advertisement, bro. KSI owes us. <laughs> buy Prime. <laughs> don't buy Prime. Don't yeah. buy Prime. <laughs> but um, going back to, uh, yeah, just having those scholars at any time. Imagine, imagine you have a question. Obviously, some of the scholars there, they're very busy and you won't really get the chance to ask them anything. Mm-hmm. But imagine like you catch them just walking. That's and you that's have so a question cool. you want to ask them. You yeah. can just be like, Sheikh. And you know this is someone that has so much knowledge. What would I ask? Oh man, if I could ask one question yeah. to someone of not. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, that's funny. But, but yeah, well, I just it's it's just a luxury to have, you know. Mm-hmm. So much people that have studied and devoted their lives to Islam to be able to reach out to them. <laughs> Sorry, you know? I, just of... <laughs> <laughs> I have my question. What is it? <laughs> Are you allowed to eat locust as a bug? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Continue. Bro, Shab's gonna look at you. And just yeah, he'll give me a weird look. He's gonna judge you hard. Mm-hmm. My but, bad. Continue. I completely cut you off. Yeah, yeah. But no, that's all I was saying. Like, there's a lot of, um, you know, the knowledge out there is is at your doorsteps. Yeah. Like you, you can. It's easy access. The only thing is, you need to know Arabic, of course. Mm. Yeah, I just like we're, we're like on oh, forty minutes. In, you didn't even tell me about like the masjid inside. You didn't tell me. <laughs> Like you didn't even tell me your story, like yeah. of of Mount Urhad. bro. That's crazy. I I just well, I, bro, I was just rambling at this yeah, point, bro. <laughs> bro, that's why, like, I'm honestly talking about it, talking about Medina, the whole experience, bro. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to like put it all in one episode. Honestly, I'm, I'm experiencing. I mean, honestly, I'm enjoying like this version of it. Like, I'm yeah. you're answering the little questions that I want answered. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but well, I had the first time I went inside, like actual Mission the Nabwi. I'm sure you've seen pictures and stuff, bro. Yeah, it's like the most, the most beautiful, beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. The thing is, it's, it's like borderline, like, I don't know how I feel about it, like fully, because like, it's like very extravagant in the mm-hmm. sense that like everything is like decorated. Beautified. Like, it's marble, right? Is it made out of marble? 
I don't I don't even know what it is. It's just bro, the whole message is like gold. Yeah. Whole message is like gold. It's the carpets are so nice. Inside it, like uh, they really put their time into it. Very, very, very nice inside of Masjid. Mm-hmm. And you just feel at peace. And the crazy part is that the Prophet وسلم, is buried there with Abu Bakr and Umar. Wow, subhanAllah. You know, may Allah be pleased with them. Yeah, inside the Masjid is so, 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 so nice, bro. And once I actually got to pray inside it, it was a different feeling as well. And the thing is, though, once you're there, it's kind of like Mecca, where like you don't really know where the the front of the masjid is. It's like, imagine like this huge place mm-hmm. and like wherever you pray, you're in the masjid. It looks like a shopping district, right? Like it's like a huge... There's, there's a lot, because I think there's a lot surrounding the masjid. Okay, There's yeah, a lot of like stores and stuff. Yeah. Nearby. And the hotels are like right there. Mm-hmm. So our hotel is like, bro, you come out of your hotel, it's like two minute walk. Wow. It's like walking from this side of the apartment to that one. And it was like super packed with traffic? No. It's, the thing is, bro, there's, you know how we are talking about in Mecca, like that we were walking like, Super fast. Mm-hmm. You know, the crazy part is in Medina, it's the opposite. There's a Mecca walk, but in Medina, you walk as if like, bro, you have, no time you have, like, running out. Time is not running. Yeah, time is just is just paused, mm-hmm. and you're just slowly taking your steps and just enjoying. Oh, it's just it's see just that peace, around. that peace. Yeah, and I'm talking about is just it's so peaceful. Every step that you're taking to the masjid, you're just like, bro, I'm really here, you know? Wow. And like, you're not in a rush because the masjid is right by the hotel. Mm-hmm. And we're like, bro, so, 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 so nice and peaceful. You start walking slower than a normal walk, you know? Wow. The whole masjid, the Nebuli as a whole, is just so, so, so nice and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And they, they have Zamzam water there too. Wow. So you don't have to be in Mecca to have Zamzam, so the Zamzam's there too. And bro, I spent a lot of time there just reading Quran. Mm. Praying and Allah well, was nice. And him with him with the Mount Uhud. Mount Uhud, yeah. bro. Mount Uhud was visiting Mount Uhud just gave me flashbacks of the Sira. Yeah, like, you know the uh, wow. Just, just, you know what I just realized? Because yeah. we have a picture in our eyes, like our own version of our imagination. You were there. I know how it looks. Wow, it's, bro, it's, it's so sick. But what's it called? Um, actually, before, once we got into Medina, I remember it was dark, but then it was a huge mountain, right? And I asked the taxi driver, I'm like, which mountain is that? And he's like, this is Uhud. Wow. Bro, Uhud was so big. Did bro. you say, take me there, line? I'm like, because no, it was pitch black. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it was impossible. But I took in, like, even though it was it was dark, I could see how big Mount Uhud is was. Is that like the Banff Mountains? Yeah, but. That, bro, those are overwhelming. It's like it's like the Banff Mountains, but obviously it's like. Not um, as big. It's, it's like dirt. Yeah. You know, it's it's not it's not like the Banff Mountains are trees and forests. Yeah. yeah. So there, it's just kind of like just like, like around that size, bro. It's huge. Oh it's huge. The thing is, you know, what's crazy about that too is like when you see it in person. Prophet he he said that we have a lot of love for Mount Uhud, and it's a mountain that loves us, and we love it. Wow. So as a Muslim as well, you're supposed to have this love and and appreciation for Mount Uhud. Mm-hmm. You know. And that's where the battle of Uhud took place. Yeah. Remember in the story of, of, of Uhud, there's like a little like hill that the Prophet wasallam he put archers there. Mm-hmm. And he said, no matter what, no matter how the battle is looking, you don't come down unless the Prophet wasallam commands you to come down. Yeah. So their, their job was to stay there yeah. and to post. So they were not allowed to leave unless they were told by the Prophet 
easier upon him to come mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. And the thing was, when the battle first started, you know, the nice thing was, uh, one of the students of Medina was narrating the story to us and showing us in real time. Like, wow. it came from this side. It, bro, wow. it was crazy. So you a tour. A whole tour, yeah. You know, and so That's I was cool. able to like actually visualize. He's like, imagine they came from this side. And then the Prophet had a group of people over here, a group of people over there. So you could actually like visualize how mm-hmm. it looked, you know? Yeah. Uh, but basically the story goes that the the Sahabas and the Muslims were winning the battle. So much so to the point where Mushrikeen, the people of Mecca, who came to attack the Prophet Wasallam and the Muslims were losing and then they were turning back. And once they were turning back, they were dropping... You know, like armor? The, the 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 armor to, to be able to the war faster. the war um, the spoils of war. Yeah. So they're dropping everything in order to escape. Yeah. So it looked like the Muslims were victorious, like they were about to win the battle. So the people that were on the hill that the Prophet ﷺ told them not to move from, they started feeling like, hey, we won the battle. And then once they saw the 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 spoils of war and the people gathering it, they're like, we're gonna miss out on that. We need to go. We need to go get our share. Oh, so they came down. So, so they were divided. Yeah, they were divided. So half of the people were like, "No, we have to listen to the order of the Prophet And the other half was like, "We won the battle." Mm-hmm. So when they decided to go down, that's when Khalid bin Walid, who at that point was not a Muslim yet, Khalid bin Walid was known as the Sword of Allah. Mm-hmm. He saw what was going on, and then the one thing that was causing the Mushrikeen problems the whole time. Was those archers Yeah Because the thing is Every time Khalid Khalid kept trying to Get by them And it's like Yo I can't get past these guys I yeah. can't get past these guys And then once he noticed That half of those guys left He's like This is our chance Yeah So he came from And the reason why That spot was so important It was though That spot was Covering the back Of all the sahabas mm-hmm. Their back is, was to Uhud And then on one side They were engaging the army And on the other side it was that hill. Yeah. yeah. So now imagine, once Khalid saw that, that opportunity, he did a U-turn. He brought his troops back, and then they, they, they killed the remaining Muslims that were on the hill. Wow. So now, once that happened, Khalid came and started attacking the Muslims from behind. Yeah. So now the, the, the mushrikeen that were running away saw that Khalid was able to attack them and get by the archers, so they... Turned back. So what happened? The Muslims were in the sandwich. middle. Sandwich in the middle. Oh, man. Then the Muslims were at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. And you know that's that's where the Prophet ﷺ he got hurt, and it was almost to the point where like the Sahaba thought that the Prophet ﷺ was killed. And this is the mm-hmm. battle where Hamza, anhu, his uncle was killed, and all the Muslims that were killed in Uhud. Mm-hmm. So even when we were there, we sent uh, salam to the people that, that you know the martyrs of Uhud. Mm-hmm. And wallahi, bro, it was just. It was crazy just actually visualizing wow. the importance of those archers. Because they disobeyed and they didn't listen to the command of the Prophet mm-hmm. the result of that was the Prophet getting harmed and so many Muslims getting killed. Oh. All because of disobeying an order from the Prophet, wow. peace be upon him. But then, wallahi bro, Uhud was... Being able to, to see Uhud and to visualize that whole war was unreal. Mm-hmm. I like the way you explain the story a lot because I hear it a lot yeah. and I never get tired of hearing the story of the Battle of uh, Uhud. Yeah. But it was, it was in a different 
like hearing it and, and, and seeing it, and hearing it while seeing it is yeah. a whole different. That's where experience. this happened. And that's where that happened. That's yeah. yeah. And you just put yourself in that position. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and you're just kind of imagining it, but now you get to actually see how it kind of looked like. You know. Yeah. How about how about Quba? Well, how was that? Mr. Quba. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Quba was. I, I posted it. I don't know if you saw, but it's it's uh, the Mr. is like white mm-hmm. on the outside. And like white, like it's like pure, pure, pure white. Mm. And Masjid Quba, for those that don't know, it's the first masjid that was established by the Prophet So imagine that's the first, like for the Muslims, it's mm-hmm. the first house of worship mm-hmm. that was established by the Prophet. So obviously, like that's a that's a big, big thing. The wow. first masjid, the Prophet Sallallahu in the Hadith, he said that the one who purifies himself. And goes to Masjid Quba and prays two rakahs. You know what the reward of that is? Mm. You get the reward of Umrah. Subhanallah. So all you have to do is just come in a state of wudu, mm. pray, pray two rakahs in Quba, and you get that the ajr of wow. Umrah. So we already did Umrah. And then you Three did times. It again. This, is, this is number four. Wow. <laughs> and you were able to do that how many times? Like once, right? I only I only did it one time. Okay. Because the Prophet Sallallahu uh, they said that he usually used to go. On Saturdays, and you didn't so I didn't. Him? I didn't go on Saturday because oh. that was the day that actually was it. I'm trying to remember what happened on Saturday, but no, I didn't go on Saturday. But the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam packed on Saturdays. He used to go on Saturday, so that that was from his Sunnah. And I, right, bro, yeah, it was it was nice being in Quba, actually seeing our first established mosque. Wow. Was no piece of history, and not only is it a piece of history. So compared to what we said about Jabal and Nur, like where. The Quran was first revealed. Mm-hmm. Mentioned that how there's no significance in terms of worship, yeah. but in Quba there's the Hadith that whoever prays there gets the reward. The two rakahs gets the reward of Umrah. Wow. So there's actually something to gain from going to Quba. Mm-hmm. So we visited Mount Uhud, which is you know the scholars they said to go visit Mount Uhud because also to say you know, uh, uh, salam to the, to uh, the, the martyrs followers. and and those who passed in in Uhud. Mm-hmm. And also, it's a mountain that loves us, and we love it. Mm-hmm. And so, Masjid Quba, you get the reward of Umrah if you pray two rakahs in there. And uh, you enjoy seeing the first established, and actually seeing, yeah, the yeah. it's like a piece of history. Yeah, seeing Masjid Quba was nice. Um, and then we we kind of drove past a couple other places. So we drove past where uh, Salman al Farisi he built the the, the trench. During yeah. the Battle of Ahzab, mm-hmm. so we got to see. We didn't see the trench, but like we saw the area of like where it was, you know. And they wouldn't then, like they wouldn't like keep it there just for like. You know, I, I, there was something that was there, like part of it, but I don't know. I, I didn't really understand what it was. I don't know if it was okay. a trench or if it was just some construction going on. Oh, okay, but I, I doubt they would leave it there. Cause think about it; it's, it's a hazard. Why was why would they just have like a hole? Random hole, you know? yeah. Yeah, but um, and then outside of that, what else was there that we went to visit? Um, yeah, I think those are like the main places that you go see in uh, uh, Medina. Medina. Oh. There's a couple other masajids that you can go visit. Like there's uh, Masjid Qiblatain that has like the two Qiblas. Yeah. Muslims are praying in that masjid and then they were told before they were facing uh, Masjid Al-Aqsa. That was a qibla before Palestine, and I came down, and then they were told to face Mecca. Oh, so that's okay. another masjid that's there, but we didn't we didn't go inside it. 
um yeah wallahi just medina medina compared to mecca i would say like there's a lot more to see in history in history because mm-hmm. the prophet saw him when he was in mecca muslims were being persecuted yeah and the muslims didn't really have much but when he went to medina that's the city that he actually established mm-hmm. and that's the city that he chose don't to spend his last days in and wow. that's that's his home you know even though when he left mecca he felt like all he knew was mecca and to the prophet said like imagine like your hometown that you love mm-hmm. and that you had so much appreciation for kick you out banish you to the mm-hmm. point where they're where you're about to be killed and yeah. then you have to run away and escape yeah and then you get embraced by a new city mm-hmm. where you know they showed love to the prophet sallallahu yeah, and the prophet had to like it was it all smooth so like the the jews were living there the christians were living there so there was a lot of building pot politics a lot of building up yeah mm-hmm. But in the end, you know, alhamdulillah, now it is what it is. Yeah. And it's honestly, bro, the best city in the world. Wow. The best city in the world. I can confidently say said. that. I can confidently say that. Wow. But um, before we wrap up the story of Medina, I want to talk about two things. The last two things that I did before uh, leaving Medina. Mm-hmm. The Prophet wasallam, he's buried in Masjid al-Nabawi in the house of Aisha, okay. Prophet would just come out of the house and be in the Masjid al-Nabwi. Okay. So obviously Masjid al-Nabwi now has expanded, like it's so big. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it probably was not that size. Yeah. So the Prophet used to just come out of the house and he used to be in the Masjid. So between the house of the Prophet which is Aisha's house, and the Mimbar, it is said that it is Rodatan min Riyadh al-Jannah. So it's called the Roda, and it's a garden from the gardens of paradise. Wow. You can imagine the significance of being in that place, mm-hmm. right? So when people come to Masjid al-Nabawi, what they do is they pray in the Masjid, and then they do ziyara, which is saying salam to the Prophet wasallam. So you, get, you come by, and you say salam to the Prophet wasallam, mm-hmm. and Abu Bakr and Umar are buried right beside him. Mm-hmm. So then you say salam to Abu Bakr, say salam to Umar, and you go. But normally what you try to do is there's a there's a booking system that they have for praying in the Rauda. Mm-hmm. Before we even got to Medina, booking the Rauda was fully booked for the whole month. Mm-hmm. Once we got there, I attempted to go to the Rauda without the, 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 the booking on the app. Okay. But the difference was there's actually a lineup for that. And there's no way they're letting you in without the... the really? The booking, yeah. So once I tried to line up, and then the thing was, even the lineup takes like almost two hours to get there. And I've mm-hmm. tried at different times of the day. And there's a time where they open it for the women, and there's a time where they open it for the men. For the women, like the way the way it happened, like for my mom, imagine like she said she was praying in the mystery, she prayed Isha. And then as soon as the Isha ended, in front of where they prayed, they just opened it up. She, you know, she's just like, oh, I wonder like, where, why they're opening this up. And then they started walking, and then they ended up in the Rauda. Wow. So they went there, they, they prayed in the Rauda, they prayed two rakahs, and then they left. My mom was telling me that women are like very loud and rowdy. Yeah. So even though my mom and them were praying there, they just felt like everyone was yelling, everyone was going crazy. Even though they're in, you know, like a peaceful place where you're yeah. supposed to, you know, just be 
be calm. But the thing is, the the for the men, there's a lineup, right? Yeah. So because of that lineup, I feel like maybe it's a little bit more under control. Whereas like for the women, they just open it. Yeah. And then they all just like storm in oh, and everyone's okay. just trying to pray. Makes sense. Yeah. But then once my mom went in, I was like, because I try to go and I got okay. body. I got body several times. And then she told me, she's like, oh, we were able to get in. So then after she got in, I made it my mission that like I have to find a way to get in. And well, like most of the people that we were with were unfortunately not able to go to that older. Mm-hmm. So I went, I tried to attempt it three times. The first time, I didn't know which line I was supposed to be on. Mm-hmm. So by accident, I followed like the regular line. And that line was just going to say salam to the Prophet Sallallahu but from far. Oh, so I'm like, ah, oh, that's not where you're supposed to go. So then I came, I had to go back around the whole masjid, and then I tried to come back again. Second time I came around, and then I started talking to the guard. I tried, I tried to ask him, I'm like, oh, can you let me in this way? Because I basically that that side was a little bit closer to the roda. Mm-hmm. So think about it as like I'm not, I'm the lineup to go into the roda. You need to show an app. So me, I'm trying to get in from the inside. Yeah. From the back, but there's a guard that's there and not letting anyone get by. Yeah. So he was like, No, you can't get in, you can't get in. And then eventually he just he let me and a couple people through. Like just yeah. randomly saying, No, yeah. fine, come. Yeah, we're talking to him. I'm like, you know, I came from Canada. I'm only you know, I'm only here for like two more days, you know, and the, the app is full. I want to just go, just you know, I, I was pretty much just asking him in, in a nice way. And some other people were asking him as well. Mm-hmm. And he just let a couple of us in and then he closed it. So I thought at that point that that was Roda. But no, that's just the area where you're right beside the Prophet Sallallahu mm. So even then, so imagine the first time that I went by and I said salam to the Prophet, it happened like too quick. Mm-hmm. So like I wasn't able to truly process that the Prophet Sallallahu was buried right there, wow. which is crazy. Like this is our... our Beloved prophet, our beloved messenger, mm-hmm. peace be upon yeah, him. He was right there. And he was right there, you know? So the second time that I came around, I was like, you know what? I'm going to send, you know, salam, peace and salam to the prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and actually, like, really take it in. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, again, that my, my mission was I'm trying to get into the Rada. Yeah. So look at it as like there's, it's like a straight line, and the Rada is to the left. And to the left, there's two entrances, and there's a guard on each side. Mm-hmm. So I'm asking the guard, I'm like, yo, can you let me in, please? And he's like, no, I can't. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And then I'm like, you know what, let me try to, let me try to sweet talk him. Let me see if I can get in. And then in the end, he told me something. He, he pointed to like a camera and he's like, they're watching. If I let you in, I'll be in big trouble. Uh, so that's when I realized, I'm like, man, so it's, it's more than just them allowing people. And the thing is, I saw from the time I was there, the whole time, they never let anyone in. Wow. And I, so, so then after time. that, I walked by and then uh, again, I said salam to the Prophet, وسلم, but this time I was like right in front of him, like where the that gate, yeah, where him and Abu Bakr and Umar are buried. And you know, I really, you know, so I said my salam to all three of them and then I kept it pushing. Thing is, a lot of people do all sorts of bid'ah. Like some people, they, people ask the Prophet, to actually do something. Yeah, they make dua yeah. to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam because they believe that he can do something for them. Yeah. But the only one that you're supposed to ask is Allah, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam can't do nothing for you. Abu Bakr can't do nothing. Umar can't do nothing. Radiallahu mm-hmm. anhum. No imam is able to do anything for you. Mm-hmm. So, and why ask 
people that have passed away when you can directly ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's the whole point of Tawheed, mm -hmm. that you have that connection between you and Allah yeah. directly. And uh, so now the, the, the second time, so I realized I'm like, okay, there's actually no getting in from this side. Mm -hmm. So I tried to do it one, a third time. And the third time that I did it, right when I got into, uh, remember how I told you like there's a, there's, so there's a spot, like the outside spot where you say salam to him and then the, the closest spot, right? So again, I'm trying to get into the closest spot. Okay. But now there's a different guard that's there. And we'll lie, bro. I don't even know how to say this, but the energy that that guard had before I even got there was like, I could just tell it was not going to go, yeah. go well. So I come close to him and like, this guy was just not, it was, he wasn't even looking at me. So okay. imagine he's just like, like looking to the side, right? And I'm trying to talk to him. I said, Assalamu alaikum. Like, you know, all of them, I try to greet them. Just, yeah. just, you know, before I even say anything, you know, I just want to, I said, Assalamu alaikum, how are you? This, mm -hmm. that, you know? I said, Assalamu alaikum to him. This guy does not even respond to my salam. That's crazy. Just looks at me. He's like, yo, keep it moving. Damn. Keep it moving. I'm like, oh, I just, no, nah, he, he didn't want to hear it. He's just like, no, keep it moving. Keep it moving. Yeah, wallah, bro, it honestly felt like, <laughs> I don't even want to say this, you know, because this was in the Prophet's ministry, the right beside yeah. where he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was buried. But bro, wallah, it felt like it was shaitan himself that was stopping me from entering. Wow. It was, I don't know, man, it was just something about him. And, and like, even like, I was kind of cheesed because I'm like, yo, I'm smelling like, like cigarettes off of him. And he's in like the most nice, beautiful yeah. place. And then I'm like, yo, man, this guy's, he's really not going to let me, you know? And then someone else came and said, yeah, assalamu alaikum. And he said, alaikum assalamu to them. Okay. And that's when I clocked I'm like, yo. This king called thing? This guy, I don't know. Yeah, the guy who, that he salamed was, was Arab. Yeah. So I was low key like, I, you know, let me keep it moving. Now imagine I did that three times. And that happened probably in the span of like hour and a half. Because every time I get turned back, I have to loop back all the way around. It's like shit, a big you know? loop, huh? Yeah, and and I'm trying to talk to people. I'm trying. I'm trying to get my way in. So then, after the third time, I was just like, "Man, you know, like, Allah, bro, I don't think I've ever felt that level of heartbreak in my life, bro. I walked mm -hmm. back, heartbroken. And and the thing was, that was there was only one more day that mm -hmm. I had in Medina, and then it really hit me. And I'm like, okay, you know, I guess I'm not gonna get to go to the Roda. And even though. Mm -hmm. Like not going there is not not the worst. Like it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like it was something I really wanted to do. So I'm walking back, heartbroken. Well, liar, brother, and I swear, brother, pain is not something that like I was used to. And you know, started like I started feeling like a little bit like emotional. And I'm just walking back, and I'm just like, like I I feel like Shaitan got to me at a point too, where I was just like, you know what, maybe. Maybe I was not worthy to go. You know, that's uh, the thoughts that started creeping mm -hmm. up in my head. Because my, my brother told me a story that he ended up going, him and Ismail. Yeah. So he got to see that old. And my mom got to see that old. And I'm like, man, it's just me. Damn. Like, it's just me. I, I didn't see it. But at the same time, I was like, alhamdulillah, you know? Like, it's not written for me. It's not written for me. Like, yeah. it's not the craziest thing. But I still felt hurt. Especially, I think, the way that last guard was reacting towards me. Yeah. You know, it honestly made me feel like, Felt like I didn't belong, you know? Yeah. So then I get back to the hotel. I took a shower. And, you know, I was like, no, 
it is what it is <laughs> and then uh so the next morning got up got my breakfast after that i was gonna go shop a little bit for uh Omar. Mm-hmm. so i was trying to get him a couple of things for his uh upcoming nikah so after we had breakfast Bilal was gonna go back to sleep but he's but i told him like oh, you know i'm trying to go grab a couple of things and he's like how long are you gonna be out i said probably like an hour and a half max so i was like you know what i'm gonna go with you so me and him went to some of the stores the prices they were giving us was outrageous so then i'm like you know what I'm, let's actually go to another place this place is probably expensive because it's right beside the mist yeah we were told go to this area there's a lot of shopping areas in there so we ended up walking walking in the heat for like 20 minutes and once we got there that mall was actually shut down wow so apparently that mall hasn't even been there for a long time now mm-hmm. so then we're like okay let's just hop on a taxi and we'll go to like we'll go somewhere far and once we 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 flagged the taxi down and it ended up being a Yemeni guy and then we told him we want to go to this one mall we're looking for this and he's like oh if you're looking for a thobe why don't you go to the actual factories so basically he's like he's like basically like if you're looking for a nike why are you going to go why are you going to go to sport check yeah. and go to nike yeah so he's like yo let's actually go to these stores he's like check where they are on the map so i looked i'm like it's like seven eight minutes away so we ended up going there and then the guy's like yo you know what i'll go with you guys so i'll get you guys nice deals the taxi cab you know it comes out he's he's basically shopping with us at this mm-hmm. one and then we go from one store to another and it's taken a little bit of time and low-key i was like you feel bad for him i felt bad for him yeah. and also but he was like he, he, he was like no nah, don't worry don't worry i got you guys mm-hmm. and uh started feeling bad and i felt like you know i was there for too long and even bilal and huda weren't really looking for the stuff that i was looking for yeah so we ended up taking a long time and then i ended up finding a, a white thobe for him mm-hmm. then now we're, we're heading back to mrs and nabui and then he dropped us off at this one spot where he's like it's a uh, easy access to the masjid and at the same time you get to see where after the prophet passed away it's like the area where they they gave him their uh of allegiance as the leader of the muslims mm-hmm. so we saw that as we were walking back I told bilal i'm like yo you want to attempt that all the one more time you're crazy <laughs> bro even though i was heartbroken i'm like there has to be a way you know I'm like yeah you want to attempt that all the one more time and he's like ah, i think it's gonna work because the thing is after duhur that's when the road opens up for the men mm-hmm. so before duhur is for the women so i'm like yo, you want to attempt it and he's like ah, you know what let's do it so and, and all the bags that i had I gave them to Huda and she's like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it up for you. And then I, I didn't have wudu, made wudu outside. And then we ended up going to, I'm like, yo, let's go to where, let's go to the entrance, the door of where the road is. Okay. So that's like near the place where people line up. So imagine we walked through, and instead of going around this time, we walked through the masjid. Mm-hmm. So once we stepped out, we were at the gate closest to the road. So the road was to our right. So once we got out, let me bring you back a little bit. So the way Abdul Shukur and Ismail at one time in Ramadan, they were able to get to the Rauda was they were let in by a guy who works there. Okay. okay. There's certain guys that are certified. And what they wear is they wear a white thobe and then they have a little badge here on the left side. They wear the traditional Saudi imama with the, with the you know, the black head thing. Yeah. So imagine, so he told me that a guy that looked like that let him in. So imagine when we walked out of the gate, we just see a guy that's just standing Inscription. there. So he's he he has his arms out like this, and he has his shades. I could describe it, no homo, 
he just looked like a fresh leg. <laughs> looked like a, he looked good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he looked good. So we saw him and I noticed that he had that little badge thing. So then I looked at Bills and I'm like, yo, should I talk to him? Yeah. And he's like, ah. he's like, I don't know. I'm like, bro, this is this is our last our last opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna do it. So uh I went up to him and I didn't want to speak to him in Arabic. So I was like, oh salam alaikum. I was like, if I'm Inglisi, told him like, do you understand English a little bit? And he's like, Oh yeah, I kinda understand it. Mm-hmm. So now at this point, I made him see that we're foreigners basically. Yeah. So now I'm like, I told him, I'm like, hey, you know, we came from all the way from Canada. It's our first time in Medina. And I'm like, yo, the, the app has been booked. And all we want to do is see the Roda. I'm like, and we've been trying and we've kept being turned away. I'm like, yo, is there any way we can get in? Mm. And then he looked at us and he's like, he looked, he looked, he looked around him and he's like, just you two. Uh, yeah. that, that's what I said. That's a, a big smile. Yeah, big smile. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, just us two. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. He's like, you know what? He's like, just wait here. We're gonna try to go at Duhr time. So I'm like, uh, so I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, so you want us to pray Duhr and then go with you? He's like, no, 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 no. We're gonna go at Duhr time. Okay. So he's trying to say we're gonna pray Duhr in the road. Wow. So instead of praying two rakahs, he's like, we're gonna pray Duhr there. So then me, me and Balaver like. So he's like, just post. We're going to wait till close to the Adan of Duhur. Mm-hmm. So, so I look at Bilal and we kind of just back up, back up a little bit. And we go, we go, uh, kind of go inside the masjid to be a little bit far away from him. You so know, it's like, not he back. Like that, like, so it's not he back. Exactly. So now me and, me and Bilal are just looking at each other and we're just like, yo, I don't want to get too excited. I don't want to get too excited because they're like, yo, we're not in there yet. And we don't know if we're going to get it. So we're just like, man, is this really happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to get my hopes up. I'm not getting my hopes up. Especially after being disappointed those three times. And I was yeah. like, heartbroken. And then other people are going up to him. And then they're asking him questions like, oh, where's the, where's the Roda? And he's like, oh, it's right there. You have to walk. You have to line so, up there. Yeah. The thing was, we asked him to actually help us. Yeah. Those people were asking him like, oh, where is it? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Then uh, a little bit before the then goes off, he's just like, Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Mm-hmm. Well, so this guy starts walking and we're walking behind him and we're like, yo, is this really happening? And he's like, yo, when, once we get to the guard, he's like, don't talk to them. I'm going to talk to them. Okay. So we're just walking, we're like VIP, you know? And once we get to the guard, he's about to stop us and he's like, are they with you? And he's like, yeah, they're with me. Wow. So we go from behind the guard and we're walking, we're walking in line. Me, I have my head down. Bill's is looking around and he's like, yo, everyone's grilling us. Everyone's wow. like, yo, who are these guys? Where are they going? You know? So imagine a place that people line up and it's impossible to get in. You know? They wait for like two, three hours just to get turned down. We're getting like, you know, escorted. It, it, we're getting escorted yeah. there. Yeah. So imagine we're going, we're going. I'm just like, yo, I actually can't believe it's happening. So we we get in and he's like, yo, just take off your shoes. So we take off our shoes. And we get inside the masjid and we get to the Rolda. The Rolda has a different carpet. It looks different. And that's where like the, the, the member of the Prophet ﷺ was. And it's right beside the grave of the Prophet ﷺ. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, his house is right there and it's from the house to the, to the member. As soon as we walk in, Wallahi bro, honestly, I don't think I've felt more peace in my life. Wow. The most peaceful place I've ever been in, and we we and all imagine all that you hear in there was birds chirping. 
Wow. All you just hear is just the sound of birds. And wallahi, bro, I'm just looking around and I'm like, yo, I'm really here. And I see the Prophet is buried right in front of oh, him. Wow. And Abu Bakr and Umar are right there. So we're really taking it. We're like, yo, we actually are in here. And then uh, the guy tells us, he's like, yo, push your, put your shoes in a bag. And then he, he asked, the, he told us to go get a bag from the cleaners. He's like, you are not supposed to put our shoes down anywhere. Like, even though normally, like, you could just kind of put them side by side, but it's, this is a old day, you know, like, mm -hmm. it's a special place. Like, put it in a bag. Mm -hmm. So we try to ask the cleaners for a bag. And then, and then they're like, nah, we're using it, we're using it. They're punking us. And then Scott look, he's like, yo, give them a bag. <laughs> wow, <laughs> we grabbed the bag and gave it to us. So we put our stuff in there. And then they gave us, uh, the Zemzem water in a bottle. Mm -hmm. That was some special Zemzem water, bro. Because normally the Zemzem is just in like a big jug. Mm -hmm. And then you just pour it yourself, bro. We had specific like wow. Zemzem water bottle. And I'm like, yo, I'm keeping this bottle forever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I was, I'm like, we're in the Roda. And Alhamdulillah, like my mom, her experience of the Roda was like, it was, you know, it was crowded. People were, were loud. So that she didn't really get to feel fully at ease in it. Me, yeah, I'm in there and Empty, yeah? they closed it. And only the people that were there before, like the people that entered before they closed it, were the only people praying in the road. Mm -hmm. And also, you know what we found out? That's where the Imam leads the prayer. Wow. So we're actually praying right behind the Imam. Wow. In the road, the garden of paradise on earth, beside the Prophet. SubhanAllah. And now it's just like, we prayed for the, the four raka'ahs of sunnah before Dhuhr, and then we prayed Dhuhr there. Then we prayed the two raka'ahs after. And wallahi, bro, it was probably 20 minutes. But honestly, it felt like I was there for two hours, bro. Wow. SubhanAllah, wallahi, that experience was so beautiful. It was honestly, the, I can't explain that feeling where it, I was just overwhelmed with like happiness and just knowing that. I, I actually no, I was I was able to get in, and not only was I able to pray, because I was I was making a lot of dua, mm -hmm. asking a lot to get a chance to pray in the Rauda, and I still believe that I was going to get a chance. Mm -hmm. And not only did I pray two rakahs there, I prayed four rakahs before, mm -hmm. two rakahs after, wow. four rakahs those. I prayed ten rakahs in there, wow. and I was able to make dua, was, and it was actually very very peaceful. And the whole prayer, imagine you're just praying. And it's a silent prayer too. Mm -hmm. All you just hear is the birds. Wow. I honestly felt like you're in like a piece of Jannah. Mm -hmm. And and reading the Atahiyat, and I get to the part where you say, Assalamu alaikum ayyuhan nabi wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Where you say salam to the, the Prophet, Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he's right there. Wow. He's right there. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That experience was just surreal, bro. I still, I still can't believe that I was there, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, so we ended up, so soon as we left the Rauda, just felt like my time, like I accomplished my mission. Yeah. I did what I came here to do. This was my last day in Medina. Yeah. I was so happy, bro. I was so happy. So this, this was like the last like full day that I had in Medina. And Allah, bro, that guy, may Allah reward oh, him. Wow. Beautiful inside and out. Allah, <laughs> mm. uh, bro, he just lifesaver. After after we finished, bro, I gave him the biggest hug, and I'm like, Jazakallah khair, you know. And he's like, 
And I was making so much da'a for him. I was making da'a for him in the prayer, yeah. outside of the prayer. And then he's just like, and then he like, gave us a big hug, you know, give us a lot of kisses. And then he's like, oh, I don't ask for anything, just make da'a for me. And I said, like, I made bare da'a for you and I'm going to continue making da'a for you. Wow. You know, he was uh, uh, someone that Allah sent for us, yeah. you know, in order to get what we wanted to That's do. That's nice, yeah. yeah. And then, so that was like the last full day that we had in Medina. The way we ended it off, Medi the way we ended off Medina was until now, I haven't been to the Baqiyah, which, which is a graveyard of the Muslims. Mm -hmm. Where most of the Sahabas are buried The Muslims who pass away can also get buried there mm -hmm. So every day there's So you know how like there's a janazah all the time in Mecca There's also janazahs every time in Medina mm -hmm. And they get buried in the Baqiyah And the Prophet wasallam, He said that if you were to die Try to die in Medina For I will be I will intercede for anyone who dies in Medina Wow so those people who are buried in the same place as the companions, the Prophet ﷺ will intercede for them. It's a, it's a big blessing to have. Mm -hmm. you know, so imagine after Fajr, we're just like, yo, we have to go to the Baqiyah. So it was me, Ismail, and Bilal. We have to go to the Baqiyah before we leave. We're leaving at 9 a.m. that day. So we go, we pray Fajr as close as possible to the exit where they, they uh, take the bodies. Because as soon as the prayer is done, they run. Mm -hmm. So as soon as the prayer ended, we grabbed our stuff. We went as fast as we could. And we saw the burial. We followed it. And, and when you're following the burial, it's good to help carry the body to uh, where they're being buried. So we were running after it. And I was able to find like a nice spot to grab it from. Mm -hmm. And I was there with Bilal and Ismail, and we're all running. And imagine like it's pitch black. And we're running and there's the sidewalk that we're running on is very tight and imagine mm -hmm. so much people everyone's trying to grab that thing yeah. so imagine you're running with it and people are like kind of dropping off because oh the minute we we go to a spot where it's like it's too tight your foot is gonna is gonna slip up and you're gonna you're gonna fall out of it mm -hmm. you're gonna fall out of the the, the sidewalk so me yeah, i found a nice spot and i was holding on to it as much as possible the crazy part was i didn't notice that smile and Bilal. Like fell back Damn It also me I was just running I'm running I'm running And then I didn't notice Till I got to the end Cause imagine it's like Right after Fajr So it was very dark And once we got To the place Where they were burying The body I looked back And Ismail and Bala Are not there Wow But then I realized that It wasn't the only Person who It wasn't the only body That was getting buried that day Once I got back with them Later on They told me that There was a lot of different bodies Mm -hmm. So we ended up just following a different one. So the one that I went to go see ended up being a grandfather who was like 70 something. Was, uh, and I saw it was a bunch of little kids that were there, like seven, eight, ten. And then I don't know if it was his grandkids, but there was, it was little kids that were there, uh, like some teenagers, some, some of the fathers. So it was his, whole, his whole probably lineage was there, you know, wow. all there to pray on him. And got the opportunity to be buried in the Baqiya. Mm -hmm. Allah was very emotional, you know, like we helped bury, throw the sand in. And Allah, bro, it was just, it was such a strong way to end my time in Medina. Mm -hmm. Because the day before, I experienced the best day, the yep. joy of being in the Rauda, mm -hmm. praying, you know, near the Prophet. Awesome. And then the next day, 
I'm going through a burial and someone's being buried and making dua for them. And it just goes to show you how like life can be so joyful one day mm-hmm. and then the next day you're full of sadness because we're not supposed to experience this happiness except in Jannah. Yeah. That's the only place where we're going to feel that joy. So I was seeing, you know, these, these young little boys, seven, eight years old, crying. And, you know, we're all emotional, making dua. Or, you know, the grandfather, who, you know, alhamdulillah, you know, it was, it's beautiful to, Pass to be buried there, you know, in, in Medina, in the Baqiyah, where the companions are buried there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, it just reminded me that life was short. Yeah. So this, despite this joy and this happiness that I felt throughout this whole trip in Mecca and Medina, I was reminded that the final destination is, you know, that same grave mm-hmm. that all of us are going to be buried under. No. And then the ayah that kept replaying in my head is a verse where Allah, he says, That from there we created you, from dirt. And on there you will return. And that you will be raised out from there again on mm-hmm. the day of judgment. And wallahi, it just put me in a state where I'm like, you know what? There's not much to this life. Yeah. And that we are created from dirt and we're going to go back to dirt and we're going to be resurrected, brought to account by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. And wallahi, it was a wake-up call and it was a reminder for me. And after that, you know, that walk back, Walking through the graveyard of where the Sahabas are buried, you know, I was just repeating. When you when you go to the graveyard, there's a dua that the Prophet ﷺ told us to say. You say, "Assalamu alaikum, ahl al-diyar, min al-mu'minin wa al-muslimin, wa inna insha Allahu lalahiqun, nasal Allahu lana wa lakum al-afia." That you say salam to you know the people of the graveyard. Mm-hmm from the believers and the Muslims and that we will soon be following you okay. that we will be next mm-hmm. just knowing that I'm in the presence of you know the companions that you know helped spread this deen this beautiful deen of Islam that I have and that reached that whole world wow. and just being grateful that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose me to be a Muslim mm-hmm. and wallahi it was just that was like my final moment in Medina going to Going to the Baqiyah and Allah, it was it was a surreal experience. And after that, you know, went to go grab breakfast, said salam to my brother, and uh, Allah just you know even that interaction that I had with Abdul Shakur bro was so so beautiful. I one thing about Abdul Shakur, he's gonna give you your flowers. Mm-hmm. And Allah, I me, mean, I'm not a guy who I don't usually cry or get emotional, you know. But Allah, what you know, he gave me a big hug and. Uh, he was just giving me my flowers. Mm-hmm. He was just telling me stuff, and honestly, made me made me emotional. I'm not someone that that hmm. that gets emotional or starts to cry, but Allah, it just it hit me. You know, it's my younger bro. Yeah, you know, has a big heart. Allah has a big heart. He Mashallah. knows. He knows how to use his the words. The right you things know? to say. Yeah, he always knows the right things to say. Allah. Yeah, and that was my last moment with with him and being in Medina. Allah, that it was it was for extreme sadness. You know, leaving Medina. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, that's that's my favorite city in the world. Man. Wow, favorite city in the world. That's and I hope you know to to be back there every year, inshallah. Inshallah, many many times. After all these stories and the pictures you painted, 
I definitely need to visit Medina ASAP. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to go, but now you're kind of like shortening the time. Inshallah, I need to start planning my way through. Yeah, um, spend, spend more days than I did there. Six days is not enough. Yeah, clearly. So I hope everybody enjoys the, the stories, the visuals, and the meaning behind like your experience. And I personally enjoyed it. It was yeah. very, I have a picture in my head, but I have to see it for myself. Yeah, you do. You do. And yeah, experience the beauty of it. We're going to wrap it up. Yes, sir. And end it off with Assalamu alaikum, rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.